very warm welcome to you all on behalf of the SHIFT series. I would like to begin by thanking Select City Walk for partnering with us on this lovely event. And of course, Good Earth for offering us this beautiful space and hosting us here today. The SHIFT series is a group of women who came together six years ago to create a shift in perception of our inner and outer world. And we engage with our audience through talks, workshops, conferences, showcasing real stories of real people. Today's talk on the practice of happiness is a continuation of our wellness series in collaboration with Select City Walk. We've had uh, two events before this, focusing on achieving physical well-being. The first one was with Charmaine D'Souza from Bombay, a naturopath who talked about the use of everyday spices to achieve uh, physical well-being. And the second one was with uh, ex-Vana director, Dr. Singh, who talked about uh, doshas and prakriti <coughs> and how to achieve balance through Ayurvedic practices. And today, we are going to shift from physical to spiritual well-being. For this, we have Nitya Shanti, an internationally respected spiritual teacher, a seminar leader and educator who believes in sharing practical wisdom teachings in a joyful and transformational way. His interest in inner growth and spirituality started at a very early age. By the age of 16, he had a practice of meditation and had uh, visited many teachers. Nitya Shanti completed an MBA from Accelerai Jamshedpur and started his corporate career. However, his spiritual quest was stronger and he decided to ordain as a monk in 2002. After six years of living in forest meditation monasteries in Sri Lanka, Thailand, and various parts of India and the US, he was guided to step out of his robes and share his teachings through what he calls happiness joy shops. He has been sharing his insights around the world with leading universities, corporates, prisons, and is, has been invited to various international conferences such as TEDx. Nitya Shanti's aim is to facilitate a paradigm shift from seeking happiness to spreading happiness. And he does this through simple, joyful, and practical teachings. So over to Nitya Shanti now, and just a request to keep your phones on silent. And now, over to Nitya Shanti. And Vandana, why did you invite me here? Why did we invite you? That's so, all the scripted stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he spoke at one of our conferences three years ago. Yeah. And um, we had about 10 speakers, and each one spoke for about 50 to 20 minutes. And at the end of that, everybody said that wasn't enough. <laughs> we, you know, and I've been following up with him ever since. And finally, he agreed. <laughs> so here he is today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. All right, let's do our traditional Indian greeting. Namaste, everybody. Namaste, namaste. Beautiful. Right. Can you also do namaste to the people on both sides of you? Say hi. Look into their eyes. Seriously, do it. Not such a quick, not such a quick hi. Proper hi. <laughs> nice. Very nice. 
We're going to start with a beautiful sound. Can you hear me clearly at the back? Yeah. So, तरह भैया तरह volume तेज करी. Volume बढ़ाइए. I once had a session where there was a lady who didn't understand a word of English or Hindi, and she was smiling the whole time. So at the end, I, you know, I had someone translate. क्या समझ में आया? बहुत अच्छा. So ever since then, I've lost this anxiousness. If someone can't hear me, they'll probably get more out of it. <laughs> Because when you can understand, then your mind starts. You know, every time you understand, why do you? Understanding means some linkage is getting created. Basically, you're linking it with something you already know, and then you either agree or you disagree. If what I'm saying matches what you know, then you agree with it. If it doesn't match, then you disagree. How tiresome that is, agreeing, disagreeing all the time. And imagine going on a mountain top, and the mountain breeze blows over you. And there's nothing to agree, and there's nothing to disagree. So today, I'd like you to be in that frame of mind. The space in this good earth, wonderful <coughs> atmosphere. Now, I wouldn't even call it a shop. It looks, it's like an experience being here, right? The space here does not agree with me and does not disagree with me. It just is. So I'd like you, as we go through today's experience, to relax your sense of being a person with very strong opinions, very strong likes and dislikes. You know, I've been teaching this stuff for years. So when I come in the audience, my BS meter is very refined. Someone, someone like me is speaking. I said, let's see what this guy has to say. <laughs> And so that's also my little spiritual ego, right? Let me see what they have to say. So some of you also had a lot of life experiences, and your BS meter is also very refined. But that's also tiresome. So put away your BS meter, and just like a mountain breeze blowing over you, just experience. Enjoy the sound of my bowl. So more than anything specifically that I want to share with all of you, I'd just like to be, for whatever reason, life has chosen me to be sitting here and for you to be sitting there. Uh, we all have a lot of wisdom, and in another configuration, any one of you could be sitting here, and I could be sitting there. So I'd like to be the mouthpiece of what needs to be said in this particular moment, and I also have a strong intention of. I love this principle, and once in a while I'll make you say things with me. So please say with me, non-interference. In other words, I cannot be sure that what I have to offer you is really good for you. That would be a little presumptuous of me, right? And we all, those of you who are parents, you're so sure that this is what my child needs to hear and do, 
and you've been trying for so many years. <laughs> I met someone recently and she's very upset about, you know, how her son has social anxiety. And she's like, he's missing so many opportunities, he doesn't go and mingle, he's so good in so many things, but he's got social anxiety. And this conversation went on for a while. And it became very clear to everyone in the room, and little by little to her as well, that the real person who has anxiety is her. <laughs> her son has whatever he has. From a place of anxiety, do you really think you're going to heal anybody else's anxiety? Right. So if I'm very anxious to help all of you get somewhere, then I'm only going to promote my own anxiousness. So the intention of non-interference, which means whatever needs to be said will be said, but to the extent it is truly supportive of you, which actually means you also know it. You just weren't maybe paying attention. So you had to be pulled out from your normal routine, where you're constantly on your phone and with your friends, and had to be plopped over here for one or more hours. And you're now you're forced to listen to what you always knew, but you just weren't listening. Right? So that's my intention, to remind you what you already know. I have a fun rule whenever the phone rings, and it will. We'll all take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. And smile. And say with me, how wonderful. <laughs> so this is what we're going to do. Every time the phone rings, we will smile, take a deep breath, and say, how wonderful. It's a nice little, little practice. This morning when I woke up, and this is quite interesting in my case, and some, maybe some of you as well, that that period of waking up, and the first few minutes, and sometimes you know, even longer after that, I usually get some pretty interesting insights, or some new perception. Years back, I'd gone for my first meditation course. And uh, uh, in fact, my mother didn't even tell me it's a med She kind of tricked me into it. So she said, I'm going for three days, I'll be silent. I said, what will you do in the silence? She said, I don't know, I'm just going for three days. You want to come? And my, I calculated three days means I'll miss Sunday, I'll, meet, I'll miss school on Friday. <laughs> so I said, ah, let's go. <laughs> Get to miss school on Friday. And my intention was I'll sit over there, they'll all be doing the silence thing. I'll read my book. I used to love reading books. And I will listen to my music. I was inseparable from my Sony Walkman, because they're there with me every time. So I go there with my nice Sony Walkman with a lot of batteries <laughs> and also with my book. And the first thing they say is no books, no Walkman. <laughs> what am I supposed to do now? You're supposed to be with yourself. Three days, no talking, be with yourself, right? And the teacher there said something very beautiful. He said, I have been meditating for 30 years. When I began, I had very similar experience to what some of you are going to have. Feeling restless, feeling confused, feeling that I can't do this, backache, headache, every kind of ache. Half an hour meditation, all kinds of body aches emerge. <laughs> Four hours Netflix binging, nothing happened. <laughs> Half an hour of meditation, all this, even five minutes will all emerge. What is going on? So he said, this is normal, so please don't beat yourself up for this. He said, I've been meditating for 30 years, and today, I want to tell you, I feel like a deep well has been dug into my being. And 24-7, sweet water keeps emerging. And bubbles of insight, bubbles of inspiration. Things no one has ever told me before. Things I've never heard before, they keep on arising. Sometimes it's hard to even express it. And from this place of love and compassion, I want to offer you, just stay with it. One of my other teachers, Ajahn Chah, was asked, what is your advice for beginning meditators? And he smiled and said, it's the same advice I give experienced meditators. What's that? Stick with it. <laughs> Stick with it. Stay with it. Go the distance, right? Don't be so, don't, don't, don't waver at the slightest sign of things are getting difficult. Let the, let, let the heat go up a little bit, it's fine. There's a lovely quote by Rumi, he says, 
Love is going to burn you. Let's say it together. Love is going to burn me. And that's not a problem. <laughs> say it again. Love is going to burn me. And that's not a problem. The problem is, I burn incompletely. How beautiful that is. So love is going to burn me, and that's not a problem. The problem is, I don't go the full, full distance. I hold back at some point. So can you allow the burning to happen? So this morning when I woke up, I was telling you that. Today's insight, or whatever, thing that came up quite spontaneously, is the recognition that at one point, I was a little tiny fellow, and at one point I was a, something in the womb of my mom, and at one point I was a little embryo, at one point I was maybe just some cells, and at one point before that, you can't really say what I was. So it might even be appropriate to say I was nothing. <coughs> and from this nothing, something got created. In fact, someone wrote a nice piece in some article I read that I was born because of the wind. What do you mean you were born because of the wind? There was a, there was a gust of wind. And a leaf got shook up and just it was a drying leaf, so it fell. And as it fell, a caterpillar was forced to change direction. And a guy sitting on a log happened to sit on that caterpillar, dirtying his pants, was forced to go to the laundromat where he met his to-be wife. And so I was born because of the wind. <laughs> so do you know what, what the real causes were that led you to being born? So out of nothing, this so-called something. The phone ring, deep breath. How wonderful. <laughs> you know, I began doing this because when I first began teaching, this would happen, the phone would ring, and I noticed in one shot, everyone gets tense. I'm trying so hard to relax you, and one little phone is so powerful, everybody gets tense and everybody starts looking for the culprit. And usually the person smiling most and saying, who's the culprit, their phone only. <laughs> so we changed the rules and said, so now whenever this happens, take a deep breath and say, how wonderful. In fact, this is a good life lesson for us. Whatever happens, take a deep breath. Come into your center. How wonderful, how wonderful. In the shamanic tradition, they say, let's say it together, everything, everything. is good medicine. So all experiences. And of course, some medicine, like we know, are very tasty. Maybe you have some B12 in the form of gummy bears, very tasty, like to have them. But not all medicine is tasty. Some of it is neutral, and some of it is downright distasteful. That's the nature of it. But medicine is medicine. So it's all good medicine. So life is preparing its curriculum for you, and it's showing up. But are you showing up? Are you meeting it? So coming back to my insight, so born out of nothing, and then there is a so-called something. But even this something you can't quite pin down. You try to pin it down, so I am this or I am that. You have a really hard time pinning it down. Because whatever you think you are, there's also evidence to the contrary. It's never completely true, right? If I say I'm a very, uh, I'm a fun person, I'm a, I'm a jovial person, light-hearted person, well, my brother will come and say, not always, Nitya, you're not always so jovial. <laughs> there are also times when you can get pretty serious. You can even be a little nasty. I bullied my brother a lot when I was a kid, so he had a lot of stories to tell. So I didn't feel my day was complete until I made my brother cry at least once. <laughs> <laughs> so I've also been pretty nasty, maybe I'm still nasty. So in other words, I'm a full-spectrum being. And it's hard to pin down and saying I'm this or I'm that, because it's always in comparison, isn't it? It's in comparison to someone else, comparison to myself, the past, the future. If you say you're tall, what is tall? It's in comparison to somebody else. Average height of Indians or whatever. If you say you're short, same. Whatever you say, cunning, selfish, it's always in comparison to something. So then, can you really say it is this or that? Thinking makes it so, isn't it? So even here, it's very hard to pin down anything. Something is happening, but what is happening? Very hard to say. 
Each one of you, if you were asked to describe this moment, what are the chances that you will have a commonality? Even two of you will have a commonality. Chances are there'll be some distinction in how you describe it. So which one is accurate? Right? In Jainism, there's a lovely, powerful teaching of Anekantvad. All perspectives equally valid. All perspectives equally true. Powerful teaching. So coming out of nothing and having this something which is hard to pin down, and then of course concluding with nothing. I was a monk for some time, and one of the powerful meditations we would do is to visualize pretty, I would say, in depth, our own death. We would visualize our own death. My teacher would say, most people plan their weekends more than they plan the big one, the big one, the big journey. <laughs> they spend more time planning what's going to happen on the weekend. They've never planned that big journey, which is certain to happen. The weekend may have, the plans may change. You were going to a, my brother was supposed to go to a nice cruise. They were all excited, cruise, cruise, cruise. And then coronavirus happened, finished. <laughs> cruise is gone, right? So all the big plans, down to nothing. Right? It can happen. But the one thing that is certain, that sooner or later, the time will come. When all, the Buddha says it very powerfully. He says, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing, will become otherwise. If you have an anxiety that I will lose what I love, you know what, you, what the anxiety is? It's not about the losing. It is the non-acceptance of the truth that you will lose what you love. That's the anxiety. And if you were to come into radical acceptance that yes, I will lose everyone and everything that I deeply cherish, including things I take for granted. Maybe I'm, I'm, eyesight I'm taking for granted, but then eyesight starts giving trouble. And hearing I'm taking, then hearing starts giving trouble. And something as simple like my mom is now suffering from, her mouth gets dry all the time. When was the last time you thank your mouth? Are wow, you very well lubricated today? <laughs> Lot of saliva flowing today. But my mom at her age, she has to keep hydrating herself. Her mouth gets dry all the time. So things we didn't even as, as imagine would happen, start to happen. Right? So all that is beloved and pleasing will become otherwise. It will be separated from me. This recognition can sound a little depressing, but life is full of paradox. So when I did this practice, it is radically freeing because you come in alignment with the truth. That is the nature of things. So when you know, for example, you know this session is only for a short period of time, one hour, two hours, whatever. Chances are you're more attentive. You're willing to put your phone off. You're willing to tell the rest of the world, it's okay, I'm here now. Because you know it's only for this much time. You're meeting a friend after a long time. It is valuable, it is suitable to put our phones away. We're meeting after years. Are we really going to be checking our messages all the time? We're meeting after so long. Let us really enjoy each other's company. When there's a short period of time, it becomes so meaningful. My friend Saurabh lives in Australia, and he's written a book. I don't know if it's published yet. He's about to be published. It's called Wednesdays with Saurabh. It's inspired by another book called Tuesdays with Maury. Tuesdays with Maury. So he did the same thing. He would go to palliative care places. People are dying. And go and have conversations with them. He's a very successful entrepreneur, has multiple businesses. He'd make sure that one day he'd go, and instead of focusing on what, what can I get, what can I give? These people are in their last days of life. And the conversations with them are very real conversations. Cuts through all the crap. Cuts through all the facade. They know they're dying. The time has come. Now it's just about making it as comfortable as possible. And the conversations he has with them, very real conversations. <laughs> but do you know when you meet your friend this afternoon for lunch, do you know if you will ever meet that friend again? How do you know? 
Isn't it true? Hasn't it happened to you? That you didn't recognize that that meeting with that person was the last meeting you would ever have with them, and then you find something happened, or suicide happened, or some accident happened. Haven't we had that experience? There's a lovely story in one of the TED Talks. Benjamin Zander's TED Talk, he gives a story about this girl who is on a train with her little brother, quite a young girl, less than 10 years old, and her brother's even younger. And she gets very angry at her brother because he's missing a shoe. And this is not an ordinary train. This is a train taking Jewish people to the concentration camps, packed like worms in a train. And she screams at her brother, you've lost your shoe. How stupid of you. We don't know what's going to happen next. You've lost your shoe. She shouts and screams at him. He says, I don't know. I've lost my shoe. Anyway, station comes. All men and women are separated, gender separation. That's the last time she sees her brother. She survives the Holocaust. He doesn't. And she says, one lesson she learned from that. Let's say it together. I will never say, will never say anything, to anyone anything to anyone that could not stand as the last thing I said to them. And you may say it, but don't stop there. Keep going. Don't, 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 because then you're going to have, then that's, that's where the regrets come from. That's where the sense of unfinished business comes from. So can I really show up? So the Buddha says, all that is mine, beloved and pleasing. So then, death, and so the, the vivid visualization we would do is now death has happened, and now the body fluids are slowly, uh, first of all, they're going to start oozing out, and then you're going to start having, the, you know, all the things start happening. There are various interesting stages of decay. If you look at it scientifically, it's very fascinating. Within you already, by the way, whether you know it or not, within you, there are maggots right now. They're waiting to come out. <laughs> you're full of maggots. It just takes the heart to stop, and the process will begin. So death is here right now in this moment, waiting to come out. So that visualization, and then each element of the body, the water element returns to water element, fire element returns to fire element, air, space, earth element returning to earth element. And now, back to the landscape. So now you're a river, now you're a lake. I memorized this poem years back. You want to say it with me? It's a fun poem. See if you want to say it with me. Do not stand. At my, grave At my grave and weep. And weep. I, am I am not there. I do not sleep. I am the thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on snow. I am the sunlight on ripened grain. I am that gentle autumn rain. When you awake, in morning's, in morning's hush, I am that swift uplifting rush, swift uplifting rush. of quiet birds, quiet birds. In, circled flight. in circled flight. I am that soft star, that, soft star. That, shines that shines at night. Do not stand, Do not stand. At, my grave at my grave and cry. I am not there. I am not there. I am <laughs> right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Native American prayer, right? And so somehow this, this morning, this is what came up, that from nothing to nothing, from nothing to nothing. So just do a small meditation with me. If you want, your eyes can be open or closed. And recognize that you too have come from nothing, maybe from a gust of wind, maybe from something else, from nothing. 
and will also return to nothing, or at least you can't describe it. And I want you to squeeze this process, which normally is whatever, 50, 60, 90 years. I want you to squeeze it in a matter of just seconds, from nothing to nothing, like a blink. It's just a blink. This whole life is just a blink, arising and passing. And therefore, the lives of everyone around you, <coughs> also a blink. Your entire family, blink. Generation upon generation, blink. From nothing to nothing. This entire planet and all the humans in it, like twinkling stars, blink, blink, blink. From nothing to nothing. The planet itself has a life from nothing to nothing. Same with the solar system. Same with the galaxy. Same with this particular galaxy's cluster from nothing to nothing. And same with this universe. And same with all the universes, multiverse. And whatever is beyond that and within that and in any parallel dimension arising from nothing to nothing, blink, blink, blink. And just stay here. What is the unblinking background to all of this blinking? For once in your life, pay attention to that. And between the non-blinking and the blinking, I'd like you to have the perception. <coughs> the perception not to. The non-blinking and the blinking are also not separate. Not to. The movie and the movie screen are not really separate. Not to. This life and the eternity behind it, not separate not to. You'll all take a nice, fulfilling deep breath. Nice deep breath. Very nice. If you want to rub your palms, you can. 
new eyes. Take the time to be timeless. <laughs> right? You don't have to be so caught up in the illusion all the time. Take the time to be timeless. So my teacher used to say that those who have never contemplated death are bound to be very confused. Those who have never contemplated death are bound to be very confused. And the more deeply you contemplate death, which may seem morbid in our cultural understanding, actually is very real, is very liberating. Frees you from the illusion of who you think you are. Eckhart Tolle has a lovely quote. Let's say it together. Death is what separates us, is what separates us from everything we are not. Everything we are not. So I, I'd gone for a retreat some year, uh, two, three years back. And you know a lot of people talk about purpose of life, purpose of life. So this one facilitator had a very interesting version of how to find your purpose of life. He said, he made up a statement. And he asked people to fill it up. The statement is this. Please say it with me. In my presence, In my presence beings experience. Beings and now you fill in the blanks. So for example, someone says, in my presence, beings experience complete acceptance. I'm a non-judgmental person, basically. All right. In my presence, beings experience beauty and flow. When I come to this space, it's like that. By the way, this is a very intentional space. I met a friend of mine. She actually is, works for this company as well. And she says, Nitya, there have been many iterations. This shop did not look like this when it began. So a lot of intention has gone into creating this space. You can imagine, right? Every little part of it. Maybe things you don't even notice. A lot of intention has gone behind it. To create a sense of beauty, a sense of elegance, a sense of flow, isn't it? Intention went behind it. When, you're having, when you want to find purpose, it's actually about intention. Because nature, Birds never ask the question, what's my purpose? <laughs> Trees never ask, hey, what's my purpose? They never ask the other tree, tera purpose kya hai? purpose. <laughs> They're just in a state of being. Mary Oliver, one of my favorite poets, she's walking in the woods. And she used to take these long walks. And she's really struggling in her mind about certain things. You know, what, why is life like this? What is this? Is there God? Is there no God? What's, what's going on? And sometimes we find ourselves in that state. And she finds these wild roses dancing in the wind. And she turns to them and says, wild roses, do you know? Do you know? And the wild, wild roses laugh back at her and say, excuse us, but right now, we are entirely busy being roses. <laughs> so when you're entirely busy being, this question of purpose completely disappears. When you and I are having a soccer match, nobody says, hey, guys, one second, one question, purpose kya? <laughs> Someone says, slap, get off, get off the, get off the don't ask these boring questions. Right? When you're sitting with your family enjoying dinner, hey, what's the purpose of life? Please. When we're having dinner, let's enjoy our togetherness. There's a time and a space for everything. But when the time and a space comes, this is a good question to ask. Let's ask again. In my presence, in my presence beings, experience, beings experience, and now you fill in the blanks. So we all did this exercise, and we came up with various statements. What's the right statement? The one that makes you feel most expansive, most light, most free, most natural. It doesn't feel like an effort. Please say with me, it takes infinite practice, it takes infinite to, be practice. to be who I'm not. <laughs> it takes no practice <laughs> to be who I am. 
Isn't it true? And all that practice you're doing for what? So other people can say, ha, you're okay. You're okay. <laughs> We're doing all of this so my mom can finally love me, dad can accept me. All these successful people, they're often trying to prove a point to somebody. Really. So, what was I saying before this? Purpose, right? So yeah, so we did this exercise. And one lady raised her hand and said, you know, this is not working for me, I don't get it. So he called, her, called the lady on stage. And he says, uh, tell me about a time in your life when you felt most alive. So she kind of blushed a little and said, all right, it was the time I eloped. <laughs> and now, of course, the whole audience is interested. <laughs> right? And so the story goes on. So basically, as it is, so they fell in love with each other. Nobody wanted to accept it. So fine, they were, we're going to elope. So they eloped. So if that is the time in your life you felt most alive, and there's a hint, there's a clue, what makes you feel most alive is definitely connected to your purpose. Because your purpose is to feel alive. What's the purpose of life? To be alive. What makes you come alive? Do and be what makes you alive. It's as simple as that. No more complicated than that. So as they began inquiring into what was this particular lady's purpose. So in my presence, what? Ah, in my presence, beings experience the permission to break all the rules. <laughs> How beautiful that is. Don't we all like that friend who says it's okay? <laughs> It's okay, you break the rules. You do what you're not supposed to do. You go to sleep without taking off your makeup, it's fine. <laughs> right? I love you anyway. Right? So this is a powerful question we can ask ourselves. Another, another friend of mine came up with a nice one. That in my presence, beings feel fully expressed. Have you ever had the experience of being fully expressed? That you could really open yourself 100%? Just let it all out at every level, mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever, to be fully expressed. And the person just received it without trying to. You talked about non-interference. Let me adjust you a little bit. <laughs> no, just received it. What a gift that is. What a wonderful thing. So to ask ourselves, so then what is it? In my presence, what do beings experience? Uh, there, my teacher had a fun way of saying this. He says, let's say it together. When some people enter the room, everyone smiles. When some people leave the room, <laughs> so you know where we're going. <laughs> so now you have to ask yourself, what kind of person are you? And in what context? Maybe with certain friends, when you enter the room, oh, they're all, they just love it. But maybe you go, you go to the office and all the smiles are there. <laughs> come, right? So now check, what is it? Another teacher of mine had another different way of saying it. He said, all of us have invisible spikes coming out of us. We all have these invisible spikes coming out of us. For some people, for most people, they're medium length spikes. What are spikes? Spikes are judgments. Spikes are interference, how you should be and how you shouldn't be. Let me tell you how to be, because I know better than you. All right? I know better than you. I'm be I, know, I have much better life experience than you. All right. So invisible spikes coming out. For some people, these spikes are so long, so like we said, only when that person leaves the room, or sometimes leaves the country, then we feel good. Because <laughs> these spikes are so damn long. Because <laughs> wherever they go, the judgment is constantly going on. Right? Medium length spikes, then really small spikes. You know, uh, if you've ever done carpentry, or maybe even bought furniture, 
if you run your finger in the wrong direction of the wood, sometimes a little splinter comes out. And I always found it fascinating how much pain a tiny splinter can create. This little fellow, I can barely even see it, is creating such dramatic pain. It's hard to get it out, right? So sometimes those small splinters hurt more than anything else. So when we all have experience, and I, you know, I've been given this feedback as well, that you go to certain people and you know that you can be yourself with them. You can open your, you talked about them being fully expressed. And with these people, you really let your guard down, you're really vulnerable. Now when those people give you a spike, that hurts more than anything. I had a friend who's probably still recovering from it. She had a guru that she had a lot of faith in. And certain things happened. And the guru was upset with her, admonished her, and the relationship broke. And she would probably have taken it from anybody. But when this person gave that to her, it hurt, it destroyed her. Because she had opened herself so much to this person, you see. So when we have few spikes, we have to be even more mindful. Because around us, people really relax. They let their guard down. And I've been given this feedback as well, because I have this tendency to joke, and we all have our you know, way of uh, dodging what is a little challenging. So my, my way of dodging is to make humor, to make fun about it, to make a joke about it. And I get feedback sometimes, Nitya, you're using it to dodge. And it hurts sometimes. Good, good feedback, good for me to know. Good medicine, like the shamanic tradition says. It's all good medicine. And then my teacher said, there are those whose spikes have been converted into rays of light, infinite blessings. <clears throat> when we draw a sun back in school, a circle and all these lines coming up. But those lines are not spikes, those lines are rays of light. A little experience of mine, when I was a monk, then a lot of the practices about awareness, being present, being aware. And I came across this book which talked about affirmations. And the book kept promising, there are eight words that will change your life. There are eight words that will change your life. Eight words, I kept going chapter. Eight words that will change your life. It's very interesting. The man had a really interesting, cool story. He's broken all kinds of world records. He's been a golf coach to some of the top people of the world. What are these eight words? So finally, the eight words are told. I was a little bit disappointed, but okay, fine. These are the eight words. Let's say it together. I am, I am always, always truthful, truthful positive, positive, and helping others. Okay, these are the eight words. Fine. And because he built up such a big story about these eight words, I said, okay, fine, I will also try it. I am always truthful, positive, and helping others. And right away, a part of me says, no, you're not. <laughs> of course not. I mean, come on, you're not always that truthful. You're not always that uh, positive. And certainly, you're not always helping others. You try to get away with as little as possible. All right. But I, said, I just kept, kept, kept going. So day after day after day, I'm always truthful, positive, and helping others. And somewhere along between the first and second week mark, something shifted. And I said, of course I am. Of course I am. There's a lovely teaching, please say with me. Yatha drishti, tatha shrishti. The English version is, what the thinker thinks, the prover proves. Whatever you think habitually, you start finding evidence for that. That starts becoming obvious to you, right? So in this case, it started becoming, obviously, you know, in my presence, yeah, I, I am truthful, positive, and helping others. So I took it to the next level, so please say with me. I am, I am the most truthful, most positive, and helpful person I know. And right away my inner being said, you've bitten off more than you can chew. <laughs> this is, you're going a bit too far now, right? Because Dalai Lama bhi bhi jinza hai. There are who are far more truthful, positive and helpful than you. Uh, but again, I just kept going. And again, the inner being said, yes, you are. In this situation, you are. In this situation, in your actual experience, you are the most truthful, positive and helpful person you know. And then it went one step further. It's very beautiful. This seemed to have a life of its own. It just kept evolving. 
And the next version which came is, I was sitting out before breakfast, and the sun was shining, morning sunlight falling on my skin. There's something very delicious about morning sunlight falling on the skin. And it felt just right, not too cold, not too hot, just right. Like the sun is kissing my skin. You know, sun is a great example of non-interference. You heard that quote, right? In all these years, the sun has been shining its light. Never once asked the earth, what are you giving me back? And miracle upon miracle is happening here on this planet. You may like the sun or despise the sun. You may believe you have a sun allergy, but you cannot live without the sun. One day without the sun, we're all gone, right? So I was getting the sunlight on my skin, and something in me just said, so beautiful. The sun just gives. And often, I may have a judgment, too hot, too cold, but the sun just gives. The sun is just in that state of giving. So a beautiful phrase came up. Please say with me. I am the sun. I am the sun. Loving everyone. Loving everyone. I am like a sun. Serving is such fun. And I made some variation. I made a little poem around it. Anyway, so, <laughs> so I began saying this, and something fascinating happened, something I never expected happened. Spontaneously, I never told anybody else about this. This was my inner process. And people began coming up to me and saying, Nitya, you're like a sun in my life. Somebody made a picture of a painting of a sun and said, this is for you. Somebody even gave me a paperweight of a sun. <laughs> And all of this is happening without my telling. And I'm like, what is going on here? As my yatha drishti tatha shrishti, as my drishti is changing, my shrishti is matching it. It's matching it. Have you not experienced this? It matches. Look in your relationships. As you've evolved as a person, like whatever your school crush or your, that time, school, college, I, I need this person, I have to be with this person. And today you look back and say, thank God. <laughs> I'm not with that. <laughs> I was so sure that was the person for life. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and you're so sure about it, but turns out that's not the right person, right? So as you have evolved, as your consciousness has evolved, your sense of being has evolved, as you've relaxed into who you really are, your life has also evolved. You can congratulate yourself for having found yourself in good earth right now. <laughs> what a beautiful moment. You've, you've, you've created this. You know, as you go along, you stop thinking, I am in a place. See, most of us would think, I am in good earth, right? Reality is, and that's actually more accurate if you look, look at it, Good earth is in you. Good earth is in you. I have never been to Delhi, but Delhi has appeared inside of me. I've never been to Bombay. Bombay has appeared inside of me. I have never traveled, actually. Things keep showing up, keep showing up. I just am. I am that nothingness within this blink, this blinking is going on. I just am. I just am. So in that recognition, I realized, wow, this is... And we all will have this, these twilight moments, like, wow, this is like, this is like a godlike power. I'm just saying this, and it's manifesting. I began playing with this. I went further with this. Three days, there had been no sunlight. You know, we wash our robes, so we have to dry. Our robes are pretty big. Monks have big robes. So you always look. I mean, there should be enough sunlight. Because I only have one set of robes. I don't even have two set of robes. So if I dry my robes, and I have, for that time, I can't really do anything else. I have to wait for my robes to dry. So three days have gone. I've not been able to wash my robes. I said, time to activate my godlike powers. So I step out and say, all right, I'm going in to wash my robes. By the time I come out, 15, 20 minutes, the sun should be out. The sun is out. I go in, wash my robes, and I come out. And the sun is out. It is out. I don't feel proud. I just feel grateful. Amazing. And we have these powers. And we also choose, this is the game of life. We choose to forget. And that's also OK. You don't have to remember it all the time. How burdensome that is. I don't have to you know, visualize and actualize every single moment of my life. 
I can let life decide the curriculum for me. So one of my teachers says, let's say together, I am everything, I am nothing, and I am something. <laughs> so when you write your resume, can you write all three? <laughs> yeah, I am this, but I am also not this. <laughs> and I am also more than this. And that's actually more accurate. So one fun game we play is, we kind of make up, the, make up these statements that, uh, whatever, you know, I am very organized, I am very neat and clean and organized. Maybe some of you are. And I am also very disorganized. And if you're honest, in some area of your life, maybe outwardly you're very neat and clean and organized, but inwardly it's a big mess. Inwardly with your people you've not forgiven in your life, big closet full of people you've not forgiven. And that's full of messy stuff. And that's not organized. That's also true. If you're honest, both sides are true. I am this and I am not this. And then I am. And that's the place of, this is where you step out of the story. Please say with me, there is only the present, the present. and the stories I tell. The present is the I am. The story that you tell, that's all the stories you're making up. I am this and I am that and I am more of this and I am better than you, this and I am worse than you, this. I read something, I was in the library of my monastery and I read a few lines of the Buddha from the Sutta Nipata, ancient scripture. A few lines, it was like a tight slap. For me it was. Something just shifted. The first part of it, I'm sure many of you will recognize, the last part of it is a shock. So please say with me. If I think, I'm better than someone. I'm, better than someone. I'm, conceited. I'm conceited. If I think, I'm worse than someone. I'm conceited. And if I think, I'm equal to someone. I'm conceited. <laughs> now he's taken it all out. He's taken all three of them out. So I'm not, the truth is I'm not better than you. The truth is I'm not worse than you. And the truth is I'm not even equal to you. Look at the fingers of my hand. Is one really better than the other? You'll say, but for, for, for what? For certain things, the index finger is really good. For certain things, the middle finger. If you don't like someone, the middle finger does a great job. <laughs> <laughs> and for cleaning the ear, nothing like the little finger. <laughs> right? Every finger has its purpose. So it's the context. For what? For what? For what? For certain things, certain things are good. And for certain things, they're not good. There's that video circulating on the internet of this little midget boy from Australia who's been bullied. Have you seen the video? Yeah, yeah. He's been bullied so badly yeah. and he has now gone ahead and become a huge star on the internet. Yeah. And the whole voice of anti-bullying has come out. And he chose to stand there and say, now let it come through. This is what we're talking about, you know, from nothing to nothing. Something wants to come through you. In this lifetime, something wants to come through you. And instead of trying to create your intention, create your vision board, create your decision about what has to come through, I invite you, listen. Don't make it happen. Listen. Listen. Listen more carefully. Slow down. Empty yourself. And it's going to emerge. Like the sun, I'm the sun loving everyone. That emerged. I didn't, make, I didn't plan that. It went from, I'm always truthful, positive and helping others, to... I am the sun loving everyone, to perhaps I am. I'm not even this, I'm not even that. I just am. And that amness is your sanity. Otherwise, you're lost in the dream. It's okay, we will be lost in the dream. I also get lost in the dream, totally, right? But you don't have to live in that movie theater all the time. <laughs> you can take a break from it. There's a nice cartoon I saw of meditation someone had made. A person is sitting and they have unzipped their normal body, they have literally unzipped their body and from inside there's this beautiful peaceful light. The body means your persona and any persona, no matter how beautiful, how lofty, 
is still a weight that you carry. No matter how fancy the clothes you wear, how immaculate the Gucci bags you have. Somebody I met yesterday had Gucci sneakers. I said, fantastic. <laughs> right? So all of those fancy clothes, no matter how comfy they are, no matter how stylish, stylish they are, they're still a burden. When you go for your shower, you want to take it all off. Everything must go. Everything must go. In the same way, what is meditation for a little while at least? Can you give yourself the time to be timeless? Can you take off this heavy weight? You don't even realize it's a weight. This is the thing. It's a weight of being a person. It's the weight of being a persona. Good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. And unzip from it. And this is healthy. This is where sanity comes from. And now this sanity starts taking over. Dhamma hita kilesava. Dhamma means the truth. Kilesama means your conditioning, your contractions. What takes you out of contraction? Not this technique or that, te that technique. It is presence itself, awareness itself, consciousness itself. That which knows, that which got you here is going to take you home. Are you willing to rely on it? You know, when I was a monk, I did an experiment. I kept checking, because actually quite a, quite a wonderful place to be. You know, we, we were in this, I've lived in beautiful monasteries. So one monastery, about 100 acres, beautiful forests, beautiful companions, delicious food. You know, when you walk through a village, the entire village would give us food. Delicious food. Wonderful books. And still, at any given moment, something's bugging me. <laughs> Something is bugging me. I should be, they should be, life should be, you know, lizard in my hut. Something or the other coming up with stuff. You've taken it all away and still coming up with stuff. And I'm realizing, no, this is just my neurosis. This is my, this is my, this is, I have just created neurosis for myself. Even in the best of situations, I'm going to fault find. I'm going to create a problem out of it. So to become aware of that, how I can spoil a perfectly good moment with some idea of how it should be, how it could be, how it must be. So let me tell it to you in simpler words. There's a birthday cake. Let's make it more interesting. Every moment of your life, there's been a birthday cake. And this birthday cake has always been cut into two portions. One portion is called, please say with me, dissatisfaction. dissatisfaction. And one portion is called, let's say, gratitude. gratitude. Or you could just say satisfaction, acceptance, right? So either dissatisfaction, acceptance, non-acceptance, acceptance, or dissatisfaction, gratitude, always been cut in two parts. Now, would you agree the so-called happy moments of your life, the chocolate-colored flavored moments of your life, the nice moments of your life, what proportion is bigger in this cake? Yeah, the gratitude, the satisfaction, the acceptance. When that's bigger, that's a happy moment of life. And look back in your life when it's really been falling apart and there's no coordinates and everything's getting confusing. Now, which one's bigger? <coughs> Yeah, the dissatisfaction. Now here's the powerful question. Who cuts the cake? Who cuts the cake? Is there some force from outer space that comes and cuts your cake every moment and decides for you in this moment how much dissatisfaction should be there and how much contentment, peace, and gratitude should be there? Is, is some outer force coming and doing this? Or is it your own neurosis? M-I-N-D, mind. You know what it stands for? Let's say together, mostly, mostly. inaccurate, inaccurate. neurodrama. <laughs> so this is your mostly inaccurate neurodrama. This is what's happening. Now when you get this, what is meditation? For a little while, let the damn cake be. Just leave it. Don't touch it. Don't even decide if it's pleasant. Just let the cake be. Drop it. Put down the burden. Let the body do its body thing. Let the mind do its mind thing. Let the feelings do their feeling thing. Let the thoughts do their thought thing. Let the uh, memories do their memory thing. Just unzip from all the things you have imagined to be you. Because you will have to anyway. 
When you go to sleep at night itself, it happened, right? You got to unzip. Now let go. Now, I know there are 100 emails that have been unreplied to. I know there are a lot of people wanting answers from me. Unzip. Let it be now. It's fine. Put down the burden. No matter how much you love your family, at some point, now leave me alone, go to your room. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> leave me. And no matter how much you love them. Nobody wants to be with you. say, I want to be with you forever. No, you don't. <laughs> Only enough, just enough. Beyond the point, please, it's too much. You're growing on me now, right? You're like fungus. Get out, get away. <laughs> we don't want so much. Just enough. We just want to be in a state of being. Right? Now, who cuts the cake? How skillfully are you cutting the cake in your life? And you could have practiced. Again, you can have a very elaborate story of your victimhood. You know, people come and tell me their stories. My job is to listen to them with empathy. Receive it. Let them be fully expressed. But at the same time, remember, every single thing they're saying, it's a story. It's a story. They can give me a hundred pieces of evidence. It's still a story. What the thinker thinks, the prover proves. It is only one out of many possible ways of looking at their life. And in the present moment, they're sitting on a comfortable chair. In the present moment, the AC is on. In the present moment, they're well-fed, well-hydrated. They've been to the bathroom also recently. There's no problem. <laughs> really, there's no problem apart from their imagination. My teacher, Mr. Dutt Maharaj, said, please say together, nothing can trouble you, but your own imagination. Just get this much, it's enough. Just get this much. This is all you need to get. That nothing can trouble me but my imagination. I am, I am, I am. That I am resonates from the nothing to the nothing and behind the something. I am, I am. All that can trouble me is, I was, I could be, I should be, I would be, they are, they think of me, ta -ta -ta -ta. and now you're in the web. Now you're in the web. It's all right, that's part of the game as well. Enjoy the illusion while it lasts. Enjoy the illusion while it lasts. Man is the mask of God. Trust your process, this is what I would say. Trust your process. Something wants to express itself through this life. You've got to trust it. You've got to give it that space. You've got to allow it. Let it come through. Let it come through. I was lucky that my mother sent me to a school. Some of you may know this <coughs> school in Delhi. It's called Mirambika. Yeah, Mirambika is a beautiful school in which children decide what they want to study. That's the basic idea. It's a very basic trust that the child wants to learn. All you've got to do is create a right atmosphere. How conceited of us. We will tell you what to learn. Come, let me tell you. And today we will learn mathematics and chemistry and physics. What do you learn? I don't know how to play. I want to play with my friends. But no, I will learn. You will get a job. What will you get? What is this? What, look at how convoluted we have made it. In India, of course in many countries, but in India, I meet people who are so rich and so successful. Big, big homes. And they are anxious about me. I don't have a college in my child. What will happen? You are still in survival mindset actually. We are deeply in survival mindset. I, I go to the West and people are all right if their kids take a break from college, take a year to go traveling. The break here is a normal concept. In India, it's like a treadmill. Yes, it doctor, And we're already deciding beforehand because we have not been able to express ourselves. Now we are hoping through these little kids we will express ourselves. And now you have thoroughly interfered with another being's sole purpose and they're going to resent you for it. So if you're having trouble with your kids or your family members, it's because you have been, your spikes are way too long, whether you realize it or not. You're nicely interfering all over the place and they're going to give it back to you. And they're going to, yeah, they're going to resent you for it. They may love you and appreciate you, but they're going to resent you for it. So in Mirambika, they let us decide what we want to study. 
you know, when, when I was in class, what, maybe four or five? I was studying biology at the level that was probably high school or even college level, because that was my interest. I could tell you about DNA, RNA, RNA messengers. I could tell you about how these molecules work. It was my, I was fascinated with this. I could tell you a lot about space. I could tell you about how gravity works on different planets. That was my, that was my interest. And so I went so deep into it. And no one came and said, hey, enough of that now. You've got to do this also. We were allowed to be. We were allowed to grow. So I think at some level, somewhere, that stayed with me. Right. And then whether it was my monastic life or what I'm doing now, I trust, I allow it to come through. Instead of deciding beforehand how it should be, how, I, how this talk should be. I have waited my whole life to sit here, you know that. And you waited your whole life to sit there. Enough preparation has happened. <laughs> no more preparation is needed actually. No more notes are needed. And if they're needed, they're needed, it's fine. But wherever you are, can you fully show up? Can you 100% be? Can you breathe deeply? Can you experience yourself holistically, whatever you're feeling? It's all good medicine. Let's have a few minutes of silence. Can you empty yourself? You may still have thoughts, you may still have memories, but can you just empty yourself? Can you sense the emptiness behind those thoughts? Beneath those thoughts? Can you sense the nothingness masquerading as somethingness right now? empty yourself even more. For once in your life, can you take a break from being yourself? <coughs> can you take a holiday from being this personality?
even for a micro moment, just I am. I'm good at meditation. I'm hopeless at meditation. I am. I understand this. I just don't understand this. I am. I need to remember what Nitya has said. I don't need to remember anything of what Nitya has said. I am. I'll take a few deep breaths. If you like, you can rub your palms together. Bring them over your eyes, over your face. So one last thing I'd like to say before we have some questions is that we talked about the cake. Remember the cake? Cut into two pieces. What are the two pieces? The satisfaction and gratitude. So at any moment of your life, something is poking. Something is pinching. That's just the nature of samsara. Welcome to samsara. At any given point, no matter how nice it is, something is poking, something is pinching. Don't assume there is somebody in this room. No, this is, in fact, it may be a bigger pain, right? Because now she can never repeat her earrings anywhere. Why earring penny for handbag So don't assume everybody is carrying a burden, a hidden burden. Outwardly, they may be very polished and nice. We are all carrying a hidden burden. Sometimes it's even bigger for people like that. So we also have our own burden. We also have our own little thing that's poking us. And today I want to offer you a little phrase. So please say with me. This this is my medicine. Is my medicine. So as you go through today, some anxiety, some doubt, some confusion, some that if only this gets figured out, if only this you know, court case gets figured out, if only this home situation gets figured out, health problem gets figured out, then you see how good my life is. From time immemorial you've been playing this game. <laughs> and they got figured out also, but then the next one, and the next one, and the next one. So you are never, you are never going to get there. You will always have one new thing, one new thing, one new thing. If you're imagining, oh, after Nitya's talk to now, everything is going to be. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> if anything, you'll find even more of that, right? 
So now I want you to say, what will you say when this happens? You'll say, this is my medicine. So now that last remaining bit, that cake that you've got, that dissatisfaction bit, this is my medicine. So what do you do with medicine? Bring it on. Welcome. Non-resistance. What is suffering? Experience, let's say together. Suffering is? Suffering is. Experience. Experience. Multiplied by? Multiplied. Resistance. Resistance. So any experience, the more you resist it, the more it persists and the more suffering you have. Right? And so then what is happiness? Now you tell me what is happiness. I've given you the formula for suffering. Now you give me the formula for happiness. Happiness is? Experience. To acceptance. Give me some other words. Acceptance is one. What else? Going with the flow is nice. What else? Surrender is beautiful. Gratitude is nice. What else? Love is great. Right? Presence is fantastic. And we all have our favorite words. In my presence, beings experience. Whatever, whatever came out of that, that's your answer. What is happiness? So for example, if I say, I have many versions of this, all right, but one of, one of them is, in my presence, beings experience themselves as secret agents of God. <laughs> so you're the mask of God, right? That's my, in my presence. At least there'll be, there'll be a glimmer of it, right? So then what is happiness for me? Experience multiplied by Sarvang Brahma Mayang. It's all God in clever disguise. God is playing hide and seek with itself. God has gotten bored of being all-knowing. God has chosen to forget. How wonderful. Fine. We don't have to remember every single moment. Right? So it's just the way. This is my medicine. This is my medicine. And you lean into it. And you open yourself into it. You breathe into it. And like this, the intuitive flow takes over. And that burdensome sense of, I have to plan my life and I have to control my life and the lives of others, this is so burdensome. It takes over. It does far better than you can ever imagine. I'd gone to Korea. There was a nun we met. This nun, when she was young, came from one of the richest families of Korea. There was an economic crash. Her father lost everything. He got depressed. They were living literally in a shack, from living in mansions to living in a shack. This little girl couldn't take it anymore. She ran away into the woods. She lived in the woods for 10 to 13 years. All by herself. It's like the Jungle Book kind of stories. She figured it out. She would stay in little wolf dens and everything. She grew up totally wild in the, in the forests of Korea. Later on, she came back, became a Buddhist nun. And there was one story she told us. Complete darkness, moonless night. Walking, and her body just stops. Body stops. Why the body stop? Completely dark, body stopped, and she feels there's a big cliff. One more step, she'd be dead. I love that story. Something new. Something new. Living in nature, she had attuned herself to the level. Consciously, she didn't know, but something new. The body just wouldn't move anymore. So you attune yourself in the same way. How do you attune it? Exactly the same way. Whatever is happening, this is my medicine. Instead of being so conceited, I know what's best and interfering left, right, and center, creating havoc, and then everyone resents you, left, right, and center. Your spikes are going out to the other end of the universe. Pull back your spikes <laughs> and replace your spikes of judgment with blessings. If you have to interfere, it's not an interference, in infinite blessings, infinite blessings. Sabka mangal ho, mera mangal ho, tera mangal ho, sabka mangal ho. And what shape that mangal will take, you don't know. But it'll take. And that is the right way to be. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Alright, so I'm feeling quite complete. Would anyone like to share something or ask something? Also share your name if you want. I'll pass the, I'll pass the mic around to whoever 
It'll come, it'll come. It's still settling, it's still settling. It's, it's landing, it's landing. <laughs> Good, please. So like what you saw that time, yes. it's looking like that. How wonderful, how wonderful. So nice. If you want to clap, clap properly. <laughs> One of my teachers gave a talk and people were like very amazed by, and, then, and then some people clapped, some people didn't, oh, you're not sure, should you clap or should you not clap? Then he said, if you're going to clap, then clap, <laughs> <You can> clap nicely. <laughs> All right. Anybody else wants to share something? Yeah, go ahead. You can just pass the mic down, I think it'll go. Share, share your name as well. Yeah. Hi, my name is Saladi yeah. and I have a question. We spoke a lot about non-interference. Yeah. So I want to ask you that seeking guidance or giving guidance, is that also interference? Yeah. So there's a lovely Zen teaching and we'll say it together. Not knowing. Not knowing. Bearing witness. Bearing witness. Loving actions. Loving and what I love about this teaching is the sequence of the teaching. The sequence of the teaching is step one is not knowing. My mother had a certain kind of a condition. She woke up and she was not able to move half her body. She recovered from it soon enough. Of course, we went to the doctor. Uh, it was a busy hospital. We walk into the room. My mother starts describing. She's not even described for 15 seconds. He starts writing stuff in his notebook, notepad. He's already decided he knows what's happening. Now, no matter what he says, we can't really trust him, you see? Because he was so quick to decide what is going on. So please say with me, connection. Before correction. So when you're too much in a rush to let people know what has to be done, let's even assume you're right, 100% right. But they'll not be able to digest it. Because they don't feel heard. Right? So to answer your question, step one is not knowing. Let go of your assumptions about what is right for them, what is not right for them. Because you don't really know. Did you know that today's problems were yesterday's solutions? All the things we struggle with today. For example, family sitting together, everyone's on their phone. That was supposed to be a device that creates connection. It's creating disconnection. Cars helping you go from one point to the other. Now maybe Might as well just walk or take a cycle. You know, much better. 
So what was supposed to get her there faster now takes longer. Even if you get there, you have to look for parking now. You understand? So yesterday's solution, that today's problems, all these people had good intentions. And those, do you know the American system of prison, in the prison, you know what it's called? It's called the corrections. It's called, they call corrections officers. It comes from the, what's it called? The, uh, what are those, uh, Quakers. The, Quake, the Quakers came up with a system called correction. The idea was if someone makes a mistake, put them in a place that they can reflect about what they did and they can come out of it. With all those good intentions, the Quakers have been the basis of this kind of a penal system. You see? So you don't really know. So you've got to be very, very humble, very, very careful. I don't really know. Not knowing. Step two is bearing witness. And bearing witness is, can I feel your pain? You are another me. In some ways, and you know, when we're too much in a rush to give advice, it usually means we're not following that advice ourselves. Just check in your life. What simple. My brother once told me, Nitya, because he's an entrepreneur, people keep inviting him, come and give a lecture here, come and give a lecture there. He says, Nitya, I answer the question so well, but then I think I only am not able to apply those answers. <laughs> How honest, how true. So when you're jumpy to give answers, chances are you have not, it's not even worked for you. Some kind of a mental construct you've got. In spirituality, we have these three disclaimers, three or two, the two disclaimers. Let's say it together. Just because, Just because it works for me, works for doesn't mean it'll work for someone else. The second one, even more interesting. Just because, Just because I think it works for me, works doesn't, doesn't mean it really works for me. <laughs> So when you're so sure about it, you know, just uh, when you're too sure about something, chances are you've gotten too tight. My teacher's definition of wisdom was uncertainty. So the wiser you get, the more uncertain things get. Dogmatism is very certain. Wisdom is very uncertain, not sure. Somebody came to my teacher and said, please read my palm, please read my palm. My teacher didn't do all that stuff. Astrology didn't do all that stuff. But they considered him to be very wise. Please read, please read. And he said, no, I don't do that stuff. I have built your monastery, I have given the land donation, I have done so many things for so many years, why can't you read my hand? Acha, okay, give me your hand. So then he looks at his hand. Acha, ye bhi hai. Oh my goodness, this line. And he's going very impatient. Oh my, ye bhi hai, ye bhi hai. Now let me tell you, dear disciple, your future will be uncertain. <laughs> and that is the reality. Don't let any astrologer tell you it is certain. It is uncertain. And the third one is, so first one is not knowing. Second one is bearing witness and only now loving actions. And do you know the beautiful definition of love from the Greek tradition, agape? Agape love in Greek tradition means, please say with me, to, to let, let be. be. To love someone is exactly the same as non-interference, let them be. You planted a little sprout and you're in a big rush for it to grow faster. You've killed it, but you let it be and it blossoms. Beautifully it blossoms. The sun just gives its light to the planet and the planet just blossoms. Your job is to let it be. Not knowing, so effortless, right? Bearing witness, get out of the way, just tune in. Feel what they're feeling. But not so much that you get lost in your stories. Because they start telling their stories, let me tell you my story now. <laughs> it is not about you, it's their time. Listen. And then loving actions, whatever has to emerge, it'll emerge. It'll emerge truly from a space of non-interference. Not trying so hard. Not wanting them to make them some image of what you have thought they need to be. Can you relax your assumptions? A friend of mine is very intuitive. He will sometimes just start smoking. He'll roll his own cigarette, start smoking. So one another friend of ours, health, one of India's famous health coaches, we're sitting together, and my friend says to him, Man, this is really not bad, not good for you. No, you know how bad this is for you? 
You know how bad this is for your lungs, and even though you're hand-rolling it, that doesn't make any difference. And my friend said something very beautiful, very simple. He said, would you allow me to be imperfect? Would you allow me to be imperfect? And when the inner voice says stop, he will stop. It is not a problem. When it says start, it will start. We were talking about how the outer world reflects your consciousness. This particular friend of mine, every time I meet him, his outer reality is getting more and more luscious, more beautiful, gorgeous. It's like right now we're in Good Earth, beautiful store. It's reflecting our state of consciousness. We are experiencing a part of ourselves. We are not in Good Earth. We have allowed Good Earth to arise within us. So when I enter the field of this particular friend of mine, it is so full of light and compassion, non-interference, just being. And things will happen a lot smoother with a lot less effort than we imagine they need to happen. Right? I could go on, but this is good for now. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, go ahead. Your name as well. So are you talking about to let it be as parents? Yeah. For our children, it's not very easy. It's very funny for someone like me who is not a parent. Everyone keeps asking for parental advice. <laughs> I recently wrote a foreword for a book on conscious parenting. I think this is the ultimate of, you know. And I've been asked to give lectures on parenting. But all right, maybe sometimes a person who comes from outside the dimension can sometimes give some very interesting clues. So your, your question is that there's a real sense of wanting to, you know, uh, be part of our children's life and do the best for them. Uh, I'll just give you an example. I was in a place called Oroville. Some of you may have heard of this place. And it, has many com it, is, it is like a city of many, many communities. So one of the communities is called Sadhana Forest. And I wanted to go there. It's a little bit outside of Oroville. So they send their bus at a particular time. I go there. I'm standing there. A few other people are standing. A bus comes. A girl comes out of the bus and starts directing us where to sit. And I'm getting very confused because this girl looks very young. But she's behaving like a total adult. She's got total control of the situation. All of us, there are some hippies there, so all kinds of people are there. And she's telling us exactly where to sit, what to do. I said, is this like kind of a strange disease where someone looks so young, like maybe an adult looks very young. I couldn't figure it out. She's a 13-year-old. She's never been schooled. Right? She speaks multiple languages. She lives in this community where people from all over the world come. Uh, they're very physical. They have this, you know, the, the structures are made of bamboo. And these kids climb high up on the bamboo. I get afraid of getting them to the finish. There's nothing, there's nothing to support them. And the parents let them be. So let me, in my experience, I have never met such powerful beings as the ones their parents have allowed them to be. Right? And the most contracted beings are the ones where chepo, 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 aise bano, aise bano, ye bhi karna chahiye, wo bhi karna chahiye. Most contracted. The more you interfere, the more you actually ruin them for life. And you think I'm doing such a great job. Itne achhe school mein bheja, itne achhe tuition class, itna achha matlab, uh, football class. No, you're messing with them thoroughly. Many of us remember when we were kids, the electricity would go. Now it's hot and it's boring and it's thoroughly boring. And then from that boredom, some game emerges. <laughs> Some fun emerges, some activity emerges. They found a correlation between boredom and intelligence. Kids now have a deficiency of boredom. They don't get bored enough. Which is why they're always bored, actually. Nothing can... I go to give a talk in these fancy schools. Before I've started, they're yawning. <laughs> Literally. They, I cannot keep up with their iPads and their this and their that and, now and whatever, Snapchats. I cannot even come close. What's he going to say? I've heard all the TED Talks already. What's this guy going to say? There's nothing I can say to them, you see. Because they're, they're already they're, they're in their, they're teenagers in body, but they're 40-year-olds in spirit, 60-year-olds in spirit. They've been there and done that. You've seen that ad where the father with great courage goes to, let me today tell my child about what sex is. Mm -hmm. And he goes and says, beta, let us talk about sex. And the son says, what do you want to know? 
<laughs> the kids know it much more than you ever know it. Right? So try an experiment. You've played the game of controlling, controlling, controlling. Uh, one of my teachers, Byron Katie, and I would recommend her work, uh, had an awakening. Uh, was very depressed for many years. A lot of conflict in the family. After her awakening, one day, her grown kids, and they're in their 20s, they have an argument, and they get into a fight, and a fist fight, and they're fighting in front of her. And mom, stop him, mom, stop him, mom, look what he's doing. Because the whole life she's interfered, right? And now grown men are fighting, punching, full-on fight happening in front of her. And all she has, she says, that's the only way they know how to communicate right now. <laughs> there is, that is the only way, nothing else works. This is the way, and she, she did not interfere at all. And of course, who knows later, they stopped. That was the last time they fought in front of her. Because she didn't get in the way. Because they're used to her stepping in. They're used to her also getting activated. But when she didn't get activated, they learned the lesson. She's not going to come in. She's not, we've created the game. She doesn't want to play that game anymore. So like this. And you see the shift that happens. This is also my medicine. Your urgency, your desire. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. You are, like, very simple example. We want our kids to study more. So what will happen? You will go to college. Then you will go to a job. Then you Then you will be anxious like me. <laughs> <laughs> They, you don't say that, but they see it. They say, what happened? You took it, right? So what happened? You took it, You are the same. You know? I look at, basically, they look at your example. You did all of those things. I'm not that impressed, actually. <laughs> I mean, I can see you. You're constantly in, in a state of anxiety. I don't really trust what you're saying. Because kids don't care what you say. They look at who you are. That's what they're really seeing. This is my first big lesson. I was teaching meditation to children. And I was getting a little anxious. No, no, pay attention. No, no, close your eyes. No, no, listen. And then in the break, one teacher said, you're telling them to be peaceful, but you don't look very peaceful. I said, oh my God. <laughs> I said, all right. So then I decided, let, me be, let them do whatever they're doing. I will be peaceful. <laughs> and that made a big shift. When I let go of wanting the kids to be peaceful, and I decided to focus on my... So if I believe watching the breath can make me peaceful, then let's practice it. Here's a test, right? 50 youngsters, and some are listening, some are not listening. And in this situation, can watching my breath make me peaceful even a little bit? And to the extent it can how the magic happens. That's my medicine. All right, are we out of time? Feeling complete? Yes? Yeah, you have another question? Yeah, all right. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, please. What's your name? Archan. Archan? Yeah. I'll just share one thing about this, that uh, I read this in the history of India. There was a time when partition happened, and the British resources were maximized. They were, at, they were at the stretch. So the Viceroy called Gandhiji and said, I'm sending the bulk of my troops to the border of India-Pakistan to take care of matters. I can't send them equally to both the borders. So I'm sending them there, and I'm sending you. You're my one-man army. You go to the other Bengal side. You go to the one where the craziness is happening in Bangladesh. <laughs> The day Gandhiji arrived, there was already a big massacre. Yeah. The day he arrived. He asked, first question he said, where is the violence the worst? Take me there. He went to that particular slum, found a little hut. Every evening, no matter what happened, there would be a prayer meeting. Funny thing is, Gandhiji himself never prayed. Everybody else prayed. He never prayed. And they would ask him, Gandhiji, you know, even if he was traveling in a car, they would stop the car, put a little dari on the side of the road, and they would have their prayer meeting. But he would never pray. He would sit in silence. And somebody said, what do you do? Everybody else is praying. 
And he said something very beautiful. Let's say it together. I witness the flow of truth within. So he's there and the, the violence is happening and Gandhiji really is practicing the, the, the principle Yatha Drishti Tatha Shrishti. If there is a massacre happening in Calcutta, something in me is not healed. So instead of blaming the world, he takes responsibility, radical responsibility. And his method is silence, his method is tuning in, his method is fasting, not eating. <coughs> Gandhiji, you know, you have to eat, you have to eat, two days, five days, six days. Gandhiji stopped eating. So people start coming and surrendering their weapons outside. Dropping in front, the whole mound of weapons surrenders outside. Again, he starts eating. Again, violence breaks out. Again, he goes into a fast. He was not trying to change the, he was just saying, if it's happening outside, this is the principle of Ho'oponopono. The outer world reflects the inner world. Have you heard Ho'oponopono? It's a Hawaiian teaching. It says 100% responsibility. It's all medicine. How do you heal it? Let's say together, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. Say it again. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. So close your eyes. Tune into what, what's happening in Delhi. Tune into the energy field of Delhi. And instead of blaming this political party or that mob or this group, stop it and take responsibility. This is a reflection of your inner world, my inner world. And if this is happening in my field, something in me is not healed. And so let's say together, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for creating this. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I love you. I love you. There's nothing but love here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's be quiet for a bit. Lord, take a deep breath. It is not a small thing. What we're doing here is not a small thing, right? This is subtle activism. The stick has a certain potential energy, certain kinetic energy. The wood in the stick I can burn, it'll have some chemical energy that'll be released. Even below, there's an atomic energy. You know, atoms can power entire cities. And even below that, pure potentiality. The more subtle you get, the more powerful it gets. Homeopathy is like this. The more subtle you get, the more powerful it gets. So when you make your mind still and calm, the slightest thought, the slightest ripple, goes to the edge of the universe. So you learn to make yourself still. My teacher used to say, if you want world peace, learn to make the heart still. When the heart is still, 
the world is already at peace. So are we now, each one of us, are we con as it is there's, there's agitation, you really think adding your agitation is going to help? It's not going to help. You bring your peace to the, sh you show up with your peace and the magic starts to happen. Gandhiji, a man came to him and said, at the same time, totally distraught, they've killed my son. They've killed my son. What do you want me to do? Gandhiji, now imagine someone comes to you and says, they've killed my son. What advice are you going to give that person? Gandhiji says, and you see, this, is, this cannot be an answer from a person. No person has the balls to answer a question like that. Only presence can answer that. So presence answers through the mouth of Gandhiji, find a boy the age of your son whose parents have been killed from the opposite religion. Find a boy from the opposite religion whose parents have been killed. Adopt him as your son. And he did it. It's a shift in consciousness. Right? It's not a political situation, solution. All of that will go on. From nothing to nothing. Right? From nothing to nothing. Step behind the curtain, and that's where the clarity is. All of this, suppose all of this was designed for you to wake up. All of this whole drama in Delhi, drama of your life, has made you come and sit here. Otherwise, who would come and sit here? You'd rather be watching a video game or something, watching YouTube. But there is some drama in your life, some thorn in your butt that's made you come here. <laughs> and then sit here for the last two hours and receive what needs to be received to hear what you already knew, but you didn't want to listen to. So you can thank yourself for that. You've given yourself that gift. I think this is good for today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Beautiful. <coughs> just want to be mindful of time, yeah, just because people also have to. Yeah, one more question, yeah. I just wanted to ask that you said it uh, takes time to be timeless. Yeah. So are you talking about eternity or uh, what did it really mean? You know, I was just sharing before I came for this uh, session, Nirja and I were having breakfast, and uh, I was sharing this Zen master, Dogen Zenji. He, he explains time in a way that's very unusual. He says, most of us experience arising and passing as separate. And the talk began, and now the talk is about to conclude. It had an arising, it had a big ending, and then our sensing between that is time. And he says, this is the way the ignorant mind perceives the world. The ignorant mind perceives the world as arising, as separate from passing. But with true insight, and we can try it right now, check, is it true that there is a gap? And if you really look deeply, and you all are capable of doing this, every single one of you, arising and passing happen simultaneously. This is the clap of the I am. You wake up from the dream. Maybe momentarily, but you, and that momentarily is not a moment like this. My teacher once explained to me, most of us think past is endless. Ping. Most of us think past is endless, future is endless, present is a tiny little moment. And this way of looking at it itself is a virus. The reality is, look at your own experience. Haven't you only experienced the present your whole life? Past is a little blip in the present. It's a little thought in the present. Future is a little blip, or maybe many blips, but in the present, isn't it? You have only experienced the present. You have, you have no idea what the past or future is. Those are blips, and you can't even rely on those blips. As we know, our memory is very, very uh, unreliable. There was a simple experiment done. People were shown a little clip of a car colliding with another car. 
and they would ask a simple question, two groups of people, same video clip. What speed do you think the car was going when it hit that car? What speed do you think the car was going when it smashed into that car? Which group you said had a, would you imagine had a higher average speed? The one who were asked the question smashed. They would just use the word smashed and the average speed went up by 10-15 kilometers per hour. Your memory is thoroughly unreliable, very easy to manipulate. Right? So even what you think is your past is thoroughly unreliable, very easy to manipulate. And same with the future. So take time to be timeless is step out of the dream, step out of the hypnotic trance you put yourself in. Arising and passing are happening simultaneously. Check if that's true. Take time to be timeless. Take time to just be. And remember, there is only the present. And everything else, these are all dreams that are arising. This is the eternal dreamer. What if all of this is a dream right now in good earth, sitting here? What if this is a dream? And what if you're not even the dreamer of the dream? Now what happens? They're the dream, and I'm not even the dreamer of the dream. In one shot, you wipe the whole thing off. And that's, that, is, that is your reality. All of this is a nice little entertainment that's going on. Now it's about shifting the weight of your leg. Most of us, the weight of our leg is fully drowning into this illusion. That's only a little glimmer. What is sadhana? What is spirituality? Now you shift the, the weight from personality to presence. Shift the weight. And let it go 100% into presence. Ramana Maharishi would say, I don't experience the world. Nisargadat Maharaj would say, I don't experience the universe. Somebody criticized him. You know, you're talking all of this, but you keep smoking a cigarette. You're sitting on a, on a, on a tiger skin. Some tiger was killed for you. I disapprove of you. And Maharaj looked at him and said, yes, I disapprove of this entire universe. <laughs> I disapprove of all of this. Yeah, I really don't have any words to express our gratitude. So really, thank you Say together, may I be, may I be a, a channel of blessings for someone today. May I be the clearest possible channel, the highest possible blessings for someone today. I am a channel of non-interfering blessings in the world, and so it is, and so it is. And so it is. Beautiful. All right. So, thank you.